Cornucopia Radio presents Why am I a soldier On a road that's too well trod I am on the side of a right I do the will of God Why am I a soldier On a road that's too well trod I am on the side of right I do the will of God For my people and my country Kill or be killed Lives by Alice Collins. When I was eight years old, my dad took me to work with him, showed me round, introduced me. This is Will, my lad, he said, bright as silver and tough as cold steel. He'll be a credit to you when he gets his card and sets on at five like the rest of us, they said. Nah, said my dad, he's bound for better things. He was wrong. William, glad you're on time. We like to keep proper working hours here. Can you manage? I can do it myself. Thanks. Fine. Let me introduce you to the other boys. You'll find they're a very cheery crew. Come on, follow me. I pushed myself after her. She walked fast. I could only go slowly then. The workshop was like a barracks, but without the beds. A fat man in a brown overall was standing by a bench. He'd lost an arm, cut off close to the shoulder. There was a square piece of wood strapped to what was left of his other hand. This is our main printing workshop, and this is Bert. Good morning, Bert. Oh, that's lovely. Good morning, Mrs Finch. Thank you. The other's not around, Bert. Tea break, Mrs Finch. Oh, of course. I'd like to introduce William Cross. William, Bert here is one of our most conscientious workers, as you can see. You're in good hands. Pleased to meet you. Everyone does well in this workshop under Bert. Highly productive. I'll leave you to show him the ropes and introduce him to the other boys, will you, Bert? Of course, Mrs Finch. Welcome to Printmasters, William. She seems efficient. Call me Budgie. Budgie. Which regiment? York and Lanks, you? King's own. Saw a lot of action? Not many. You? Enough. What's the job? Stenciling. Oh, like a kid? Nothing like a kid. Top quality products. Printed by hand in the main. But some of us use the spray and screen print. Gets a better finish. 
You start off on the stencil brush. All right. Over here, we print the little knickknacks, the novelty goods, hanky and nighty cases, a smart marker for a book. Nothing useful, then. Over here, look, print master's exclusive lines, the skilled work, this. Curtains and bread spreads, altar cloth for going in the church, wall hangings for stately homes, satin and crepe de chine. Last year, we printed up 40 yards of cotton twill drapes. Guess where for? I've no idea. No less than the Royal Savoy Theatre in London. Every night our curtains are up on their stage. Exclusive lines, like I said. Nothing really useful. Exclusive side of the business is the most profitable, Mrs Finch says. Who's in charge then? Mrs Finch. She's the boss. Keeps us all in work, her contacts. Don't know where we'd all be without her. Are you organised? We have to be. Keeps production up. I mean organised. Trade union. No, we don't bother with that lot. I'm the charge and any problems, come to me. End of tea break, that. I've still got to sort my billies out. Hang on. I'll show you the job. It's easy. Dip your stencil in the paint, not too deep, so as it doesn't drip. Then press it down hard. Are you watching? I wasn't. I was watching through the window as my new workmates came up the path. They moved slowly like cogs in a rusty machine. Each had his function to help the others. One blind, one lame. The last unable to move at all and lying flat on a trolley. Here, Will. You try. Hold this. That's it. Dip it in the paint. Not too far. Like this. Watch it. Keep it steady. Oh, it's dripping all over. Never mind. Have another go. Look, I've still got to unpack my kit. Right. Get yourself sorted. Dinner's at one, in the big mess hall. I pass the three men on my way out. The man in the wheelchair, shouting directions to the blind man who pushed the other on his trolley. Left a bit, Tom. That's it, keep it level. Now then, you the new lad? Just started. We're very pleased to meet you, lad. Morning. All right. You are getting sorted? Yes, but Budgie's been showing me the ropes. I've got to... See you at dinner time. Jam roly-poly. See you. I wheeled myself past them. I heard Tom say, Has he got any arms? Two of them. Oh, good. That's seven between us, then. (laughs) (laughs) On the way to my hut, it started raining. Hardened by years at the forge, I'm one of the lucky ones, able to push with the strength of my arms, manoeuvre round corners, hold myself back on slopes unless it rained. Then the wheels get wet and slimy. Those who could ran for cover. Where's my bloody hut? Everywhere looks the same in this place. Round the corner, the bloody things. Jesus! Oh, sorry. My hand slipped. I'm not so good at corners. I'm fine. Oh, my knee. I'm so sorry. Let me... It's all right. My bike took the impact. I should have been looking where I was going. This rain... The headlights come off. I, I can just reach it. Here. Must go. Start of the second shift. Of course. Sorry again. Do you work here? In the office. Telephonist. She cycled off into the rain. I found my room in the hut. It was bare. Just a bed and a table. Someone had dumped my bag on the bed. Just the right height to unpack. They were used to wheelchairs here. She was lovely. 
the girl on the bike, soft voice, strong, beautiful legs. Thoughts of her kept poking through as I sorted out my books, like a bright star in a cloudy sky. I tried to hold on to myself, get a grip, from imagining, wanting, her and me. Hold on, lad. I'd fall in love with any woman who tipped me a smile now. I would. My room overlooked the back of the main gate. I could see all the comings and goings. Suddenly I heard a woman shout. Just give her this letter. Right, there's no point, Kitty. Her mind's made up. She should be ashamed. Turning out an old woman. Right, you'll find something else. <laughs> Living off our last now. She can't get wed because she's got me on her hands. My George never missed a day. No, there's no I can do. Now go home. Huh. And where's that? Just move on. The woman looked like she was about to bolt through the factory gates. Then the office door opened and the beautiful girl stepped out. Hello, Kitty. Can I help? Ellen, come here. Give this letter to Ma Finch. What is it? I've had a legal notice, summons, to pack up me stuff. Is it still in your old hut? Of course. This letter's from my solicitor. I'll make sure Mrs Finch gets it. Oh, thanks, love. That was it. Easy. No weeks in negotiation, threats, confrontation. Just a simple kind word and all was well. A time ago, in another life, I'd stood alongside my brothers from Vickers and Firth Brown. We tried kind words. Negotiation and compromise. Even agreed to dilution of skilled workers' jobs to serve the war effort. Building tanks and shells and helmets. In the early days. To keep their profits rolling in. The union was my life then. The struggle for the working man. We know, brothers! We see it every day, the distress of the many and the profiteering of the few. Those selfish, grasping few benefiting from this war. We've seen our resolutions demanding an end to conscription and for a swift final signing of peace, all come to nothing. Now's the time to use our muscle, for a used muscle grows strong. General Haig agreed to keep skilled and munition workers out of the trenches. If he breaks this promise and we let him, make no mistake. Freedom for the working classes will be set back 20 years. No work will be safe. The ruling classes will do just as they like with us all. Brothers, shall we let them? No! no. If Haig double dealers will call on our brothers in other munitions works to lay down tools and strike, we'll force the warmongering butchers to their knees. Yeah. I had a way with words then, and with the lasses. I was having a good time. Like every smart lad. Come in. You missed your dinner. You're late for your shift. No one told me. You didn't give us a chance. What's this? Do you read this twaddle? I do. Karl Marx? Jesus. You're not a commie, are you? Anyway, you'd better get going. Missus wants to see you. What for? I told her you were missing. What? Well, I didn't know where you were. We keep industry rules here. None of you kipping on the job. What did you do before the war? Vet. I don't believe it. I used to vet loaves at Fletcher's, before they went out on the van. Skilled work. Nearly kept me out of this lot. You always need bread, don't you? No, I can't handle the trays. Conscripted me, in the end. Combed out all the skilled men. Sent us all to the front at the finish. I've been making shell cases 
Lads would have come out in support, but it was happening all over. Broken promises. Haig's backs against the wall. Not his. No one come out for me. No union. The boss saw the bullet. You? Hey, you. Engineers. Oh, them lot. Come on, missus will be waiting. Come in, William. Come nearer the fire. Can I speak to you honestly, William? I prefer Will. Okay, Will. Bert informs me you've spent most of the day in your room. I'm just settling in. Is that all? William, I've had four years' experience of working with boys like you. Two at Furbeck Hospital and two so far here at the workshops. I don't pretend to know it all. We're in exceptional times and we must carry on. But one thing I do know is that separating yourself from the others just will not do. What do you expect me to do? To join in. All right, I'll join in. Good. Where were you injured? Wipers. Third battle. It must be very hard. I know how you feel to lose something very precious. But just remember, you were serving your country. (laughs) (laughs) Why laugh? You've an exemplary service record. Decorated, military medal, DCM, two bars. The other boys will want to look up to you. Don't tell them, please. That's private. My business. It'll get easier, Will. Remember, it's a job that we do here. Work. Good, honest toil. One thing. I saw a woman at the gate shouting. She looked upset. Kitty, I'm very sad. What's it about? Well, she thinks she has a right to stay here. Hasn't she? William, it's your first day. Off you go and join the others. But I didn't join the others. It was dark when I got outside. I pushed past my workshop. I could see the men packing up for the night. Through the lighted window I saw something I'd missed before. On the wall of the workshop was a huge photograph of old General Haig, looking down, watching the boys. was your first night in your new bed? Did you sleep? Not bad. Here, take this stencil brush. See that cloth over there, pinkin? Get a ruler and mark off every two inch. My, that's got great hands. What was your occupation? Steelworker. Yours? Clark. Pen pusher. Small hands. Only good for fine work. Except his eyes let him down, and the twitching like an eagle. (laughs) Watch it! It's dripping all over. Can't hold the bloody thing. It's too small. Never mind. Put some salt on it quick. Clive, where have you in the salt? New lad wants it. Up the ass. We'll get it out quick. Ma Finch sees this. She'll put you on rations. She seems a rum Where's mister? Captain. He came back. Don't know in what state. She worked in locked wards. Art student at the start. By the end, specialised in rehabilitation. War damaged. The one thing the men could do was print a pattern. Calmed them down. That's how we got set up. I'll have a go with that block. It looks easier. Budgie does the block print. Oh. Skilled work, the block print. Takes three days learning to do it right. You're quite a craftsman there, Budgie. You're not the only one with a skill, lad. Lad. Like he was my dad. Budgie printing with his clumsy hand, paint dripping over the side of the block. Arthur looking on in admiration. But when he turned, 
Budgie moved from paint tray to table with practiced grace of a marionette. I watched the pattern emerge, a twisted vine with an orange heart. The door opened and Mrs Finch was upon us. Good morning, boys. How is everyone today? Very well, thank you, Mrs Finch. Good. New boys settling in well. Good, that's very nice, Will. Started some work, I see. Getting the hang? He is. Trying. Well, I have some very good news for you all. Lord and Lady Appleton were so pleased with the Persian curtains and cushion covers, they've recommended you to Lady Fitzwilliam. I've just received in the morning post an order for two dozen sheets, pillowcases and bolster sets, superior cotton Chinese style. Well done, boys. The work to be carried out at the usual rates. Remember, this isn't charity. This is good, honest toil. Excuse me, Mrs Finch. Any news of that woman? Which woman? The woman at the gates yesterday, with the letter. That's nothing to worry you, William. Can I speak to you privately, then? I'm very busy. Make an appointment through Bert. I'll leave you to it. Keep it up, boys. Keep it up, boys? Listen here. I hope you're not a troublemaker, because you can get out now. Yeah, we stick together, like in the trenches. First day here, I see a woman standing crying outside the front gate. Say she's been chucked out of her hut, got nowhere to go. What am I to think? You were no good to her anyway, her husband George. She was heroic. Always kept him clean. Every day a spanky white shirt. Couldn't sit up even. Worse than Clive. Could only manage the big brush, and that only on a good day. Mrs Finch kept him on. Sad. We had to carry him in on a trolley. Mrs Finch put him in the laundry room if his pain got bad. Quiet in there. They were game. Where is he? Gone. Dead. She was turfed out. Took months, mind you. Huts only for working men and their families. Has anyone been to see her? What for? Tried to help. She's better off without him. She'll get married again. She's got more chance now. Oh, what me said? She wanted a bloody head examining. It'd be great for you got a bit of something between your legs if you get me drift. Oh, aye. Cut the chat. Back to work, lads. Bert had a bit of a fancy for her these last few months. I thought he had a wife. Left him good and proper. Who wants to walk out with a one-armed man? Later, back in my hut, I'd been delivered two letters. One from my mother, wanting to visit. Suppose I can't stop her. I am her only son. But I don't have the stomach for it yet. The other was from Len, my old workmate from Vickers. Writing to him was less complicated. Dear Len, thank you for your letter. I'll be very pleased to see you for a visit. But let's not stay in this place. The social club here doesn't offer much by the way of a decent pint, and all the talks about patterns and pillowcases. Yes, you will find me in much changed circumstances, but nothing half a dozen pints won't sort out. Let's get drunk as skunks, just like old times. Knocking off time. I sealed the envelope, looked out of the window. She'd ride past. Some days I'd catch her eye. Today she was late. A minute passed. Maybe she'd stayed on for extra work. But then, round the corner she came, pushing her bike, the back tyre dragging like a busted balloon. I opened my door. Hello. Got a flat? As a pancake. Can I help? Have you got a puncture kit? Yes, but I'll never get the wheel off. I can, if you like. You? You you need to manoeuvre the wheel. I know. I've had hundreds of bikes. All right. If you can. I watched her. 
She held the spanner whilst I dislodged the tyre from the frame. She fetched a bowl of water, then she held down the tyre whilst I cut off a small piece of sticking rubber to cover the hole. I took the spanner from her and slipped the tyre back in. There you are. It won't last long, but should get you home. It'll last till it lasts. Get your dad or your boy to have a look at this wheel. It's not true. You're covered in oil. Come and wash your hands if you like. Ellen, have you forgot? Thanks. You've settled in all right? Small, but everything within reach. How many books? My dad said too much reading strains your eyes. Oh, keep the door open if you don't mind. Oh, sorry. I'll move some of these. No, let me see. I like books. And photos. Where's that one taken? Outside Vickers. Me and my old workmate Len. Before I got conscripted. Are there any of you in uniform? No. It's a time I'd rather forget. I bet your girl would have liked one. Girls like to keep a picture of their boy in their purses. Show them off. No girl. No boy. Was he... If you're asking, did I have a sweetheart who was killed? Did you? No. Now I'm one of the surplus women. What? Never. It's all right. I'm not embarrassed. I'm in good company. All the eligible men are dead. Not all, surely. Mostly. So we're surplus to requirements. Left over. What can we do? There's lots of jobs. No, there's not. Best job for a woman is a ring on her finger and kids in the pram. What's all these? Do you read this lot? Some. Marx's theory of capital. Borrow one if you like. God. Shop stewards and syndicalists, the spreading tide. No thanks. Do you read much? Poetry mainly. Love poems. Soppy stuff. I like Vera Britton. Her poems of Avad about nursing soldiers. She reckons she's a surplus woman. Told you I was in good company. I've got it here. If you want to have a look. She handed me the small book, then leaned over to point out the right page. Her breath was sweet with faint mint and behind it the smell of rose water. I hadn't been so close to a woman to smell her breath, her perfume, her body laced with the sharp musk smell of her working day since they'd been nurses too. They call the nurses roses of no man's land. You smell like a rose. Oh, cheap scent. You can borrow the book if you like. Thanks, I would like. Now then... What's this? I was just leaving. Afternoon, Bert. It's against the rules, you know. Hooter sounded a good 20 minutes ago. She's in her own time now. Thanks for the help with the bike. Coming to the social club tomorrow, Miss Hargreaves. Ellen? Er, yes, all right. Here, take this book, Ellen. Tell me what you think. I will. Bye. Do you know it's against the rules to entertain women in your room? You have to have permission. Permission? We're grown men, not children. Don't let it happen again or I'll tell the missus. The next day, my old workmate Len came calling. We went out to the Woodseat's arms, him pushing, me wheeling, both of us trying to get me up pavements and round corners without tipping up. Hey, steady, mind that curb. I ain't used to these bloody things, like pushing a babby. No, sorry. I didn't mean out. Shut up. Let go. I'm safer doing it myself. We got to the pub. 
I was knackered by the time we got there. On the way, we'd passed two blokes wearing the blue uniform. One on crutches, the other his arm resting on the first bloke's shoulder. He was blind, half his nose blown away. Just seeing him, his face, I felt grateful. What are you drinking? Whiskey. Thought you were an ale man. Whiskey and a pint of the best. So, how are they treating you? Fine. You? Well, we had that bit of a slump I told you about, but now things are picking up. Germans had it then. I reckon. At least for the next century. Feel sorry for the sods. Bosses creaming it. Of course. Of course. How's the lads? Old Jack Murphy got the push from Vulcan Works. Not surprised. He'll be a marked man. Only there three weeks. Reckon he was having too much time off for union affairs. Shop stewards called the first stoppage, called unanimously. All the buggers came out. Only for half a day, mind, but it just goes to show. Did he get it back? He did. We'll have to watch his step. We need him on the inside. He's got contacts in Russia. Wish I was back. You should never have been called up in the first place, mate. You had your badge. We'd have come out, you know. Would have made no difference, you know it. Trenches are full of skilled men. Only a matter of time. Capitalists fall out and they need us to do the scrapping for them. Every last man backs against the wall. We should have downed tools good and proper then. It was a missed opportunity. How would this scrap with no weapons? We were like donkeys, 14-hour shifts, seven days a week, bosses on our backs day and night. Our amazing never saw us. We should have come out and said no, no more. It didn't happen. We should have used our muscle then. General strike, stop production. It'll come though, just wait. Engineers will show the way. It'll be the miners. You see, always is. How is your Maisie? Grand. In the family way. Again? They wants to keep it in their pants, lad. Oh, I. Well, how did you get on then in trenches? Like on the shop floor with the lads. But instead of making the bullets, we're dodging them. We look out for each other. There were some bad apples, but you just ignored them and got on with it. The officers, the poshans, decent chaps in the men, surprised me. They'd lead you up the ladder, blow the whistle, then over the top, them first. Stiff upper lip. Didn't show weakness. They got killed like everyone else. I spent all my life fighting their class, and now I think... You're getting soft, lad. Is your lot organised? The workshop? You're joking. Grateful, more like. What for? To be alive, for a job. And some between the legs, some of them. You're their man, then. Best trade union organiser this side had done. Come on. After me and Jack Murphy, that is. There's a woman who's been kicked out and trying to do something. Woman? Widow. Oh, I thought you meant a woman. Woman. I do mean a woman. But if you want to hear about a woman woman, you mucky bugger, you can get them in. Len went to the bar. I caught the eye of a young woman sitting opposite. She was with a bloke, but she didn't seem interested in what he was saying. I smiled. She smiled back. I felt myself blush. I didn't know what to do then. So I smiled again. Then Len came back with the beer. I moved back to let him get past. I held my glass up to say cheers to the woman opposite. But her face had changed. She was staring at my bath chair and the space where my legs should have been. She was doing what people always do, what I do myself, wandering, with a mixture of fascination, horror and pity. How will he manage for the rest of his life? 
Will he find a sweetheart? Will he father children? Will he be able to work? Or love a woman in the way women need to be loved? Len dropped me off at the factory gate. Can you manage from here? I'll be all right. I'm nipping in the social club for a last swallow. Now then, don't keep that office last waiting. <laughs> Get off. <laughs> See you there. It's hard to push, but I bumped into Fred the cleaner who gave me a shove up the social club ramp. I hadn't been in before. It was bright inside, but bare. A handful of men sat drinking, some playing cards. Then I saw her, Helen, sitting in a corner next to Budgie. She looked uncomfortable. I didn't stay long. The next morning there was a buzz in the workshop. Someone important was coming to visit. A VIP. I reckon it'll be Princess Mary again. She came last year. What for? There was no end of pomp. Brass bands, special celebratory tea, salmon sandwiches. I had five. Yeah, you greedy sod. Graced us, she did. I gave her my salute. Clive dropped on his balls in the rush to get to the front, didn't you, Clive? I've not forgot. We all got introduced, shook hands. Those that could. I did. It's an honour. I reckon it'll be Haig again, his missus. He's always popping in. General Haig? The same, him on the wall. Salving his conscience, is he? Gets us lots of orders, people in high places, pays good money, don't forget. Comes for the freak show, I bet. Speak for yourself, short ass. You don't have to meet him. Stay in your hut. Budgie'll organise it. Where is Budgie? The missus sent for him. Sorting out the visit, no doubt. He is the leading hand. We carried on working. Tom and Arthur banging down their stencil sticks. Clive with a regular wheeze. I could do the fine work by then. Paint delicate lines on a petal, the veins on a leaf, the wind blowing hay across a field. Sharp lines in the earth, stretching out across the rusty night. When the hooter blew, I didn't have the stomach for any dinner. I had a headache. I went back to my hut. There was a knock at the door. Hello, can I come in? Yeah, yes, of course. Can you get? How's the bike? I saw you and I've brought your book back. Read it already? Totally unworkable, these ideas. The country would never stand for it. Definite. Why didn't the workers stop the war, if they could? Sit down. I'm not stopping. They would have done if it had gone on. My mum and dad would never have given up. Nor me. They wouldn't have been giving up. Just downing tools. Just when we were winning. But we weren't winning, were we? I don't see no Germans running this place. Do you? There was a silence. She was staring at me wide-eyed daring me to respond. Did you have a nice time last night at the club? All right. Are you and Budgie Bert stepping out? God, no. He asks me sometimes. I feel sorry for him. Sorry for him? Is that how you feel about the blokes here? Some, not all. Him especially. His wife left him. He only gets half what the others get. How come? frostbite. We're not supposed to know, but I saw it in his file. Lost his arm due to frostbite. Not a war wound. Lower status injury equals lower status pension. He struggles. What else have you read in the files? About you. Oh, you wouldn't want to know. Try me. Just that you have political leanings. But it's not a problem, unless you make it one. You think I should make it one? Depends on what your priorities are. If you want to stay here, you could just stop. 
Stop what? The politics. You know, just get on with life. Make the best of it. I can't just stop. Politics doesn't stop. There'd be no point to anything. But given your changed circumstances... I can still speak, can't I? Read and write? I don't mean to upset you, Will. There was a time, but it's past for politics. Last year, my mum queued every day for bread. I was skinny as a beanpole, up at five every day, a cup of sweet tea and scoop of watery porridge down to the general post office on Fitzallen Square. I was called up in a fashion... After the war, they tried to call me back again. Single girl. My place at home with me mam, they said. But I'd picked up a few skills connecting telephone lines so people could talk to each other. That's what everyone wanted. To talk to each other. Be connected up. I helped them. Sometimes I did it for them. How come? During the war, I was a telegram girl. I delivered telegrams. Oh, Jesus. They weren't all bad news. You'd see groups of women standing on street corners, gossiping, or in twos and threes, in their yard, hanging out the washing. When they saw me, they'd stop, stand quite still. Often, they'd shout and tell me to get lost, or I'd got the wrong street or something. They were living on their nerves, just like me ma'am. One time, a woman got hysterical, started chucking lumps of soil at me. The telegram wasn't even for her. Sometimes, they'd ask me to read the telegram to open the envelope and read it aloud. I'd take a deep breath and read it, like I was reciting a poem in Sunday school. When it said their Sid or Billy was coming home on leave, they'd whoop about, hug me and give me sixpence. Other times, I'd just read it and go, leave them to their friends. They weren't unkind then, just didn't notice me after that. I watched her, sitting on the edge of my chair, her body tight with remembering. I wondered about my own mother, if she'd been sent a telegram about my legs, wondered if she'd opened it or let someone else. They brought me home on the special ambulance train from St Pancras at two in the morning, under cover of darkness so no one could see. Mother was there to meet me, dressed in all her Sunday best. She'd walked the six miles from Tinsley. I'd hidden my face. When my mums first saw me, she tried to smile. She touched my hand. She didn't look down the stretcher to the space. You poor mum. I hated her. Hated her pity and yearning and shame. I knew she was all I had left, an old woman. An old woman. My mother. I knew then I'd treat her badly for the rest of my life. You'd see blokes in the street being wheeled about by their mums, dressed up smart, hair combed, all clean and tidy behaving themselves like a babby. And didn't those mums look proud? Here's my son. Minus his legs, maybe. But don't you like the look of my little boy? Minus his manhood, you mean? He'll never leave me. He's mine for life. And she is his. Not in my case. That's why I'm here. Me too. I'd better get back if I don't want a switchboard like spaghetti. Hello? See you tonight, Ellen, at the social club. Don't know. Maybe. See you. Stay. Stay and talk to me. You're my flower in this desert of night. But the door opens. I didn't say come in. You're late back on shift. Anyway, boss wants to see you in her office. Look sharp. Afternoon, Ellen. You're lucky I can keep my mouth shut. I'm leaving now. 
Did you get what you wanted then? What? You know what. But she'll be disappointed from what I've heard. Get out of my way. Arse all in with the missus. Right, ladies man, aren't you? Double amputation men get trouble with their tackle. I know. Does she? Leave your big fat ass. Thou's been picked. What? I've been sent to fetch you. Thou's been picked to meet the general. Hey! The same. Jesus. Why? Exactly. I tried to push past him, but my chair hit the sidewall. I trapped my hand down the spokes of my front wheel. Budgie stood in the doorway, leering. Then he grabbed the back of my chair, spun me around, then pushed me out through the door. It was hard to push myself past the line of huts. Uniform with a door and a window. I pushed on, rolling my hands hard and damp on the wheels. Cold. Impotent. Useless. Sun in my eyes. A shout, and I'm pulling myself through mud. Wet sponge. Not mud. Blood. Bodies hastily buried near the front line, exhumed by sudden bright flashes of blinding light. No pain, just blood, oozing down my leg. I pushed on, rolling my hands hard and damp on the wheels. Cold, impotent, useless, sun in my eyes. A flash of dizzying brightness, a shout, and I'm pushing, pulling myself through mud, wet sponge. Not mud, blood. Bodies hastily buried near the front line, exhumed by sudden bright flashes of blinding light. No pain, just blood, oozing down my leg. My legs. Can't walk. Can't walk. Can't feel my legs. Steady on. You alright, mate? Alright, it's just my hands. I've finished here. I'll give you a shove. No, I'm... Thank you. I'm going to see Mrs Finch. Righto. You cleaning out Mrs Kelly's hut? Done and dusted. Someone new moving in in a couple of days. I got as far as the main building as Mrs Finch was coming out of her office. I stopped her in the corridor. Bert said you wanted to see me. Yes, William. I've sorted it out with Bert. You have no doubt been informed of the upcoming visit from Earl and Countess Haig. They are tenacious supporters of our work here. I've heard. Earl Haig has made a request to meet you, William. Really? You are our most decorated soldier, a hero. Countess Haig was especially impressed as you come from South Yorkshire. Her family owns coal mines in the area. Even more reason not to meet her then. You don't wish to? Why ever not? Haig's the reason we're here in the first place. I'm not going to want to shake his hand, am I? More like spit on it. It'll be very embarrassing. They've especially asked for you. Tell them I'm indisposed. Well, think about the other men. Show a bit of solidarity to them. It's an honour Lord Haig is visiting us in the first place. It helps raise morale. What's happened to that widow? What? Oh, oh, this is getting tedious. Not for her, I don't expect. Did she ever meet the bigwigs? She's adequately housed now. You're putting your own suffering into what you imagine to be hers. Now, please let me pass. You wanted the dead and forget about the living. And you're not forced to stay in this establishment. I'm fed up with these confrontations. We must run as a commercial enterprise. We can't survive on sentiment, trying to repay a debt we think we owe. Isn't 30 shillings a week enough for you? Not made off the back of those who can't help themselves. Mrs Kelly has her daughters. You have the workshop. What was your profession before the war? Steel worker. 
I can see why you were an employee rather than a boss. Why is that? Because you don't understand the boss has to sell his steel to keep you in a job. Just like us, but I, I don't enjoy the profits. You do. So I'll come and live at your house then. Get out of the way. Everything all right, Mrs Finch? Yes, thank you, Fred. Perfectly all right. Now, William, please move out of the way and let me pass. Fred, call the other men together, will you? Main mess hall, three o'clock. We're going to have a meeting. Oh, I don't know. Motion on the table. Either we cut ties with the biggest warmonger this side of heaven, General Bloody Hague, or we down tools. Stop production, all right? These are gentle people, William, not militants. Made gentle by circumstance, not nature or class. Will... One tragedy of war is the damage, not just to the body, but to the mind, giving some men rash confidence where previously they had none and silencing outgoing men who now hide behind their mother's skirts, afraid of the world. Which are you, Will? I'm still a man. I can still organise other men. Not here, you can't. The men don't want it. Tell me, what do you want? Well, nothing to do with hay for a start. Do you hear me? And I just want my legs back. You know that can never be. I turned, wheeled away from her. At the end of the corridor, through an office window, I saw Ellen, sitting at a desk, watching me. At three o'clock, I went to the mess hall, but there was nobody there. Just two WI volunteers who came to do good deeds, helping to put society back together as they wipe and rearrange the dinner tables. That night, I was first in the social club. I didn't care I was on shift at ten. I just wanted to get drunk. Now then, here's our young William. Let me stand you a beer. No, I'll get my own. Have you heard, lads? Our new boy's been picked out to meet the bigwigs. Not good enough for our beer. Prefer commie beer from Russia. Get lost. Leave him alone, Bert. You got introduced last time. Should always be the leading hand, in my opinion. Why's thou been chosen, Mr Commie? I didn't ask for it. I bet you didn't. Always asking with missus up in her office. Thou ask for everything else, but won't get it in an upward direction, so I've heard. There should have been a vote who it'd be. Vote? You lot? Would know how. Send your own grandmothers down the pit. Nobody comes to the meeting. Not much of a hero now, eh, commie man? Amongst proper workers. Where were you, lad? You count on us. Shut your gob, Clive. Sit all down, we don't want anyone upset. It's Clive's birthday. Three cheers. Hey, Pip. Hooray. If you were men, you'd down tools. You stupid little sticks. Chuck them in the fire. But you're not men. You're stick men. You tear up the painted flim and make sweat clothes for workers and grannies. Get beer in. It's my birthday. Let's have a ballot then. Sure, Vance. Chuck the sticks. Who's in favour? Five hands between us. <laughs> Will, you can run for election. No, no, he can't. <laughs> Bert, it's your shout. Let him there. Military medal. Get lost. You can afford it. Get Lady Eagle to slip you a fiver. Down your back pocket. I'm going to miss round. Here, give us your money, mind that. Here, Tom, chip this in. Get one for Budgie there. He's a man of limited means. It's just a tie-ass. I'm rolling in it, mate. Our Budgie got frostbite. Not a war wound. Feel sorry for him myself. You will feel bleeding sorry with my fist in your face. And you lay off that lass. She's taken. Or I'll bash your head in. You threatening me? That's it, now. Budgie threw a punch. It missed and he fell over. Cut his hand on broken glass. It was childish and sad what we'd come to. I pushed out into the night, 
cold air on my face, through the factory gates into a place I didn't recognise, with trees and stone-built houses. No terrace streets, no pubs, factories, no grinding yards or corner shops aching with sweets and taps of beer and fags. Attercliffe was miles off, I couldn't wheel that far. I stopped under a tree, the rain coming down like bullets bouncing off the leaves. I wiped my eyes and stared out into the dark. Then I saw them, smelled them, sharp smoke and smelted steel coming off shift, my old workmates, teeming into the king's head like we used to. Len and his last Maisie, arm in arm, laughing. And I'm chasing them, trying to catch up. Wait for me. They couldn't hear. The wind too loud, the rain too wet on my face. When the war ends, we'll be free men. International socialism. We'll change the world, we said, sitting in the king's head at the end of a shift. Change the world for the working class. But we didn't. Hager egged on all his promises. Every last man Jack was forced to fight. I felt a splinter of the night fall down over my knees. A branch had fallen from the tree and I hadn't even seen it. In the morning, Mrs Finch called me into her office. We didn't have a confrontation. Just about the fight. She'd been told Bert had tried to strike me. She said she'd let him go and he'd left that morning. She'd been forced to make an unpopular decision. The social club would close temporarily, then reopen, without its license to sell alcoholic beverages. These boys cannot handle alcohol, she said. I made a half-hearted attempt to stick up for Budgie, but she said I had a choice. I could leave too. No, I said. Please let me stay. Where else can I go? My Lord Mayor, ladies and gentlemen, it is my great honour to welcome our esteemed supporters and benefactors, Earl and Countess Haig, to our establishment. Welcome. From our humble beginnings, employing one man who, unable to dress or feed himself, was able to manage a paintbrush, was able to print fabric and therefore produce saleable work. We now employ 60 disabled ex-servicemen. They are now self-supporting breadwinners. Men with wonderful grit and determination, fighting against great odds. Throughout this journey, we have received unstinting support and guidance from our honoured guests here today. Thank you, Mrs. Finch, Lord Mayor, men. It is my honour to support the work here, helping those who gave their health and strength to help to keep the Empire. I could hear them shouting and cheering outside. I'd not been allowed to stop in my hut. It was thought too disrespectful. I might be seen. So I had to spruce up and come to work like normal. Quietly in the shadows at the back of the workshop, for me it was business as usual. Two women were getting introduced. I could hear them. Impeccable credentials, Vera was saying. They finished off, sewed up the very fine work. Hard-working girls. She didn't mention they got paid a fraction of what the men get. Good show, said Haig. Jolly good show. Then the workshop door opened. It was Ellen. Beautiful Ellen. Wearing a blue Georgette dress. The sort we make for liberties at two guineas a shout. Her fair hair piled up and tied with a printed ribbon. You look smashing, like a model. On loan. I feel like a tailor's dummy. Mustn't sit down, might crease it. What are you doing in here? What do you think? D for dunce, is it? On the naughty chair. He's been asking for you. Earl Haig. Nah. He has, honest. He came in the office first, said, 
where's our reluctant hero? What did she say? She tried to make some excuse, but she went right red and fumbled her words. Unusual for her. You'd better go out, or he might come in. Can you lock the door? Don't be ridiculous. You're not scared, are you? Go out, and you can hide in amongst the others. God, it's too late. They're coming towards the workshop. I picked up my stencil brush and thumped out the pattern. Over and over. Flowers blooming, blossoming, line after line of poppies. Falling down, rivets. Sandbags, overflowing. Splashing down and across the barren, blackened earth. Did you hear me, soldier? William, Earl Hague is speaking to you. Bit deaf, eh, man? William? I heard him. Good show. Mrs Finch tells me you are our most decorated soldier. He's very hard working. Will... Sorry I can't get up. Sir, if you'd like to, we have refreshments. Saw some action then. Brought men in under fire. Nothing. Helped a mate or two. Our heroes always masters of remarkable understatement, eh? Oh, tally-ho. Pardon? Old man. Oh, hey, sir, we have two girls No, 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 no. Let him speak. You should be proud of your achievements, soldier. I'm not soldier. Are you proud of yours? On the whole, why not? We won, thanks to the likes of you boys. Do you like these poppies? See, I can make them go any way I like. Keep the whole of the petal, the soft shape of its rounded edge. I make them with little lines. You can't see the lines from a distance. They make up the picture of the flower. But if you come too close, you can see it's broken down into bits and pieces. Can you see? Yes, it's beautiful. Beautiful? No. It'll do. What do you think it cost? The flower? The war. Allied casualties were kept to a minimum. And the other side? How many injured or maimed never worked again? Like you, soldier. I'm told 30 shillings an hour is a good rate. How would you know? wasn't your back of the wall. You could have made peace, but too much bloody good sport going on. Some of our boys have neurological damage, sir. I understand. Arthur over there. When did you lose that leg? 1916. Some. Tom, your sight? Third battle of wipers. The next to last day. And Clive there, lying on that trolley. 90% injuries. A living hell. Some days he can't even talk. I lost my dad at Frincourt. In an attack even the general said was impossible. And you, soldier, where did you receive your injuries? Three nights in the shell hole. No food, no shelter. Half our company blown to bits. The rest quaking with terror, begging to go home. No heroes. We stopped each other going up the wall. Not for your lot, for us, each man. We never set out to kill Germans, shoot them the arm or leg, give them a going home wound with our best blighty wishes. I reckon they did the same. That's what won your war. Sir, I think William may be a little overtired. Shall we return A to- nurse held my hand. She had brown eyes. I remember looking up. I couldn't believe she was real. She was lit up with a blue light like a firework. She said they were taking off both my legs. Then the light went out and she disappeared. You have a lot to be thankful for, soldier. You're right. I've kept alive long enough to tell you what a bastard I think you are. Excuse me, sir. Earl Haig, would you like to hear a poem? Thank you, Ellen, uh, but I th- I think... Um... No, no, I'd like to hear a poem. Have you written it yourself, my dear? No, sir. It's by Vera Britton. It's called Surplus Women. It's about the women left behind after the war. I think you'll like it, sir. Um, perhaps if you write it out. My wife would like to have a copy. Thank you, dear. Uh, Mrs Finch, perhaps there's sandwiches now? 
Jolly good show, boys. Keep up the good work. This way, El Haig. Back in my hut, I couldn't settle to anything. I knew I'd get the call to Mrs Finch's office. It came at four o'clock. I knocked on her door. When I got inside, she was sitting by the open fire. I could tell she'd been crying. Come in, William. William, I have to tell you your behaviour today was disgraceful and unforgivable. You have brought the whole establishment into disrepute. Once again, it is only by the good grace of Captain Finch that we averted the incident from becoming a scandal in the local newspapers. So, it is necessary for me to ask you to leave. I've made arrangements for your immediate transfer to a night shelter in town. You will be paid a week's wages, and beyond that we have no further responsibility for you. Is that it? What else do you want me to say? Well, that you're sorry? I beg your pardon? Sorry I was the experiment that went wrong. You couldn't get me to kowtow like the rest, sing Royal Britannia down every corridor, shuffling along with my chamois leather. I don't have the strength to do battle with you. It's an insult to bring that man here. You can't see it. I am tired out. You are an angry, bitter young man. We've tried to help you heal some of that anger and bitterness, but it seems to run too deep. Take care for your future. Your options are limited. Here you could have found a home... Employment. Making curtains. Oh, there are far worse things. Will, I do know something of your suffering. This war has left no one unchanged. I come to work here every day, stay late into the night. What people do not realise is that sometimes it is simply to get away. To get away from a situation I did not wish for or expect. When you marry, you imagine your life will never change, but people do change in extreme circumstances. I don't want your life history. No, but just remember, you're not the only one who has suffered. Some wounds are on the inside. Are we done? Back in my hut, I started packing up my things. My books, a few clothes. The misshapen leaf I'd printed on my first day. Where would I be sleeping that night? I felt sick and hot from arguing. Hard and brittle. She could turn me out any time. Then go home to a warm bed. Some things never change. Then... The awful thought. My mamma would take me back. Willingly. She'd be keen. I'd drag myself out of the storm, broken, like a wounded animal, and end up back on her doorstep. I grabbed my old army kit bag, started shoving my books in. Marks, angles. What's the point now, lads? What's the point of the fight if you're out to fight with? You're lucky just to wake up and get out of bed. Lucky. I've heard you going. Chucked off the team. I'm sorry. I'll miss you. I think you're brave, what you did. Do you? There's a bit of rumbling amongst the men. Everything you said, some don't agree, most in fact, but some of them are saying they'll down tools for you. Come out, if that's what you want. <laughs> Bloody hell, is that right? Clive wants to go on strike. What do the others say? Trying to ignore him. He's one of the lucky ones. He'll always get looked after. The others, where'd they go? They'd be the same as me. Same boat. It's hard to sit together when you're all drowning. You never told me about your dad. Not much to tell. He was part of a useless, pointless attack. A bit of action to divert attention from another bit of the front. He got killed. Most of them did. To be expected. 
business as usual. Come here. <laughs> Sit down. Now, don't cry. <laughs> I'm just a big crybaby. Shall I rock you till you feel better? Mm. That's nice. Where will you go tonight? Men's hostel in town. Boss lady booked me in. She does her best. I know. She needs us as much as we need her. I know. Better? Yes. Ellen, can I write to you? If you want. Shall I send it here? I'll get it. Perhaps we could walk out together? <laughs> <laughs> we could try. Will, I've got something for you. Take the poems, Fear of Britain. Remember me. All right, promise. Well, goodbye for now. Oh, tell the men thanks for the offer. Clive, anyway. Then she gently left the room. Turning round, she blew me a kiss. After three weeks in the hostel, I went back to stay with my mum. It didn't work out, of course. Dinner on the table at five every night, in bed by eight. I was dying, disappearing inch by inch. So I moved out. We got on better living apart. I met up with Len most nights, got drunk. When the general strike came in 26, I used what skills I learned, printing leaflets and designing posters for propaganda around town. I stood shoulder to shoulder with my old mates. When the slump hit in 29, with mass unemployment, my war pension kept me going. I didn't see Ellen again. I wrote, but never heard back. She's probably changed her mind. Good thing, really. I'd never be sure why she'd chosen me. Love, pity, sheer desperation. Then in the summer of 31, I was working for a small printers in Attercliffe. We made office stationery, nothing flash. Then one day I was sitting by the office window in my lunch break when she came up the path. she changed, put on weight, but she was still beautiful. I opened the office door. Now then, where's your bike? Left it round the corner. Not another puncture. Yes, and I've forgotten my kit. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing here? It's great to see you. I've got a job for you. A printing job if you want it. Have you seen the boss? Will, I came to find you. Your mum said you worked here. How'd you find my mum? I was the office girl, remember? How are you? Grand. Working. Printing. Leaves and trees. Words and lines. Dull. Pays the rent. And more. You? Are you on your dinner? Can, can we... Well, there's a park down the road. Do you want a hand? I'm fine. This is lovely. Fresh air. I eat my snap here most days. Will... I've got a job for you, if you want it. Not from here, your firm, but private work. What is it? I'm having a book of poems published, and I want you to design the cover. Well done. You always liked your poems, didn't you? Publishers will pay well. I'm not bothered about the money. I do it for old times. How have you been? My mum died. Our Shirley went off the rails for a bit. She's all right now. Mrs Finch helped out. Good old Mar Finch. How's the lads? Clive died. Tom, he's the same as ever. Did you hear about Budgie? No, what? 
It took his own life. Police were involved. Oh, God. How about you? What do you mean? You never wrote. I know. I kept your poems, you know. The ones you gave me. For old time's sake. Here, it's in my jacket. Well, you've not kept it very well. It's fallen to bits. Been through a lot, that little book, over the years. Inside that jacket. Next to my heart. Used to be angles, but now it's girls' rhymes. I'll get you a new one. Give it here. I bet your husband wouldn't like you giving poem books to strange men. No husband. Still? Oh dear. Surplus woman, eh? More time to write poetry. Why didn't you, Ellen? Write. To me. We sat together in the sunshine. I held her hand. She told me how she'd let herself into Mrs Finch's office to read the personal files. She'd read mine. She discovered the extent of my injuries and that it was possible I'd never have kids. I wanted a family back then, Will. Like other women. Like my mum and dad. I had to keep looking. We sat holding hands. I could forgive her. How could I not? Her pain and my wound, we were in the same boat. But not quite. I didn't tell her, not then, that back in 1929 I'd married Susan, a friend of my mate Len. Susan couldn't have kids either. Something to do with a damaged womb. Lives was written by Alice Collins. The performers were Will, Kevin Cordell, Ellen, Alison Fell, Vera, Jill Buttery, Budgie, Phil Eardley, Clive, Dave Ridley, Tom, Kai Rowland, Arthur, Tim Jones, Len, Patrick Black, General Haig, Ian Carter, Kitty, Alice Collins. This production was edited and directed by Peter Beeston.